Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share with you an artifact from their past. Like when I was 15 years old, I wrote a poem called Bullies that went like this. Always laughing at my hair, joking, pointing, they don't care. I'm Daryl Smith and with me today is comedian Eliza Fraser. Hello. What have you brought with yourself today? I have brought with me a screenplay of sorts that I wrote when I must have been about 15. It is interesting um, and it's all about, it's called Two Weeks in the Life of Me. It's dreadful. <laughs> and is this screenplay about you? It's basically what I would have hoped had happened to me. It basically covers two weeks of a teenage girl who by the end of the two weeks has a movie deal and is famous. Because <laughs> that's what we all know. That's how it happens. <laughs> uh, so um, we're going to check out the opening monologue. Okay. Also, I, I might add, I have never before written a screenplay and never since, because I don't, well, I learned immediately not to. So there's brackets in it, which are basically camera or like instructions. I will read those two. Okay, voiceover. Hi, I'm Samantha Bailey, Sam for short. I'm 15 years old and I live in England. This is my mum. Camera shows mum. Her name is Nikki. She's a receptionist at the local hospital. This is my dad. Shows dad. He's called Rob, and he's a businessman, but he hates it. Oh, and these are my two siblings, Alex and Katie. Alex is 11, which is the most annoying age. And Katie's 17, and she just loves making herself look beautiful. In case you haven't realised, I'm the middle child, and it sucks. The other two get so much attention, and I'm always left out or ignored. Alex is really annoying, and he's always getting told off for the latest trick of his. And Katie's forever getting praised, because she's so beautiful and talented. Ugh, I'm so going to regret saying that. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing special about me unless you can't being able to drive teachers crazy with all my animal antics as they call it these are my friends flick to friends Catherine, ellie sarah claire and louise the gang so there you have it a perfectly normal life well at the moment and seen and do opening titles <laughs> <laughs> so that's the tone it hurts to read that <laughs> wow um so how much in that is reflective of you then other than my mum did work at the local hospital but i gave her the job of receptionist and she wasn't she was a nurse um dad's never been a businessman um i am one of three with a brother and a sister but i'm the oldest so technically the format of my family is there but a bit mixed up 
there was a huge amount of influence was from Louise Renison book, you know, the Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. It was made into a movie. Oh, yeah. I read that entire series. I loved those books so much. So I basically was like, I want to be them. Let's write it uh, with my family involved. So, yeah. So does this um, play continue to follow the themes of those books? A little bit. There's a lot of scenes where they basically talk about boys i had no experience of boys at this stage um they also there was a bit about just literally looking through like there's bits in in maths class and there's like stories about being at school and doing all like the tricks you used to do to annoy teachers so i've just written them all in there so that's the only bits that are relative to my life are the bits that weren't actually anything to do with me and other people had better ideas and did that so i wrote it in like yeah that's what i do i'm cool it's awful (laughs) can you remember actually writing it I do. And I remember being like, this is the most amazing idea. And I know exactly what I'm doing. And I planned out what would happen for those two weeks. Um, I'd not written most of them. One of the weeks, one of them is Tuesday of the first week where it just is brackets audition. That's it. That's apparently (laughs) what I was auditioning for or anything. Um, And then there's a, there's a good couple of days that are just empty where I clearly hadn't worked out exactly what you know plot twist is gonna happen so this follows each separate day like there's monday tuesday then wednesday yeah all beautifully um colored purple with underlines and some days as i say are fairly empty um there's one i think i end it is i've got a week and a half in it ended on the second wednesday of the of the fortnight you got pretty far in then i did but you'd say that again there are a good two or three days where it's just three lines in a fight so, <laughs> like, oh my sister's so annoying gosh she's so pretty she stole my makeup that's it that like is awful <laughs> and it, it, the relationship which your character has with its their sister is that reflective of you no not at all my sister was six years younger than me and neither of us did makeup so i have no idea where this came this must be from those books which is like this is what girls talk about but they were written well and fully and funny. And this is just like, I think this is what I'm meant to be concerned about. But realistically, I just want to be an actress. So yeah, I didn't really dilly-dally over like what normal day-to-day life was meant to be. Was there pressure from like books like that or, or friends to think in that kind of way? Uh, I don't know. I definitely had decided at that point that, because I also, as a as another side of this, I was obsessed with Hilary Duff. I absolutely wanted to be her and I bought her first album when I was 16 and I would just dance in my room to that the whole time and I was also obsessed with Chicago so this is all like what I would absolutely dream to happen would be that suddenly I'd wake up and I would be Hilary Duff and because she sings and dances and is in movies so the pressure was almost from me being just wanting to be someone else entirely you yourself wanted to be an actor dancer yeah i trained as a dancer for a long time and i was like no this isn't enough for me i need credit um so i then wanted to be an actress for ages for ages and ages and ages and uh yeah didn't get far <laughs> but to be fair at one point when i was a kid my parents must have said to me you can't wait on anyone else to give you the break you want you've got to do it yourself this is me trying to give myself a break <laughs> was very commandable yeah i mean if you finished it it would have obviously yeah i think the dedication to the cause was not there (laughs) maybe i grew up and actually met boys and was like oh this is what it was meant to have been like but i don't know (laughs) uh was what was the intention with it because i mean you've got like directions in like filming directions and that 
was the hope to actually like record some of it? I have no idea. I honestly just thought, let's write this thing. And I didn't even spare a thought to how it would have to be made, whether it would be done or any of the next stuff. I was like, I'm just going to write what I want to happen to me in an ideal world. And I'll fix the rest of it later. So, and then I didn't even finish it. So, <laughs> so I mean, I really was not thinking ahead enough to think of production techniques. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like one of those lists that you write of like your aspirations but instead of like bullet points, you've instead given it stage directions. <laughs> yeah, I'm that kind of ass. That's that's what I've done. <laughs> yeah, actually, because I, I never wrote a diary at all when I was a kid either, or like any of that. Because again, I would start, and about two days later, I'd get bored, and I would just. There's so many that of like beautiful books I started writing. These journals, like, oh, today I feel like this, and oh my goodness, I really like this. But this is exactly what this is, and then it just stops. So again. Yeah, two days of writing ideas, and I'm like, oh, I'm done. Wednesday can wait. I think of a lot of these kind of things. It's like, say, when people first start learning an instrument and stuff like that. It's like once you've had a go at it, you suddenly realise how much work is required to be good at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was completely that. I was like, okay, I've got an idea. I've got a structure. I know what I want. I know what I want to be famous at the end of this. And I must have started writing and gone. No, no, I think I'd I'd wait for someone else to do this for me. Thanks. <laughs> As a kid, were you keen to become famous? Yeah, I think so. Yes, rather than just being an actress. It it went through phases, but for a lot of it was I wanted to be famous. It was that weird pressure that I never really have normally felt, but it was it was the Hilary Duff effect, essentially. I was like, she looks like she's having so much fun and she eats fruit salad for breakfast. I did that, but it wasn't good enough. <laughs> so I think from that, I was like, I want to be famous. But before that, I'd always wanted to perform. And after the whole wanting to be famous, I, like, I just want to act. But this is definitely the phase of I want to be an American pop star. <laughs> <laughs> so after writing that, like, uh, I don't mean immediately, but like you slowly just went into actually just wanting to be good at it as such rather than being a famous person. Yeah, essentially. Um, after I would have written this, so if I was 15 when I wrote this, um, again, I'm, I'm assuming so because at the beginning of it, it says I'm 15 years old. Um, I then went to America for my 16th birthday and went to a different school, so I was fully distracted and did a lot of dancing, like a lot more dancing as well. Um, and then by the time I left school, I, instead of going to a dance that dance college or theatre school or anything like that I was like oh I want to go to university and meet normal people so somewhere in there I must have been like oh actually I don't need to be big or famous I just love doing it and love performing so I guess after this I would have thought maybe just enjoy it for the love of the job like yeah yeah well I I think um often it's having a go at these things is it like a huge way of realizing that you're either no good at it or that you're not going to enjoy doing it yeah, the no good at it sticks. I know that one well, but um, oh, obviously <laughs> the thing is, you've only written like you could have become an amazing scriptwriter, but it goes back to what we talked about earlier: is that it's that suddenly realizing how much work is required to be good. Yeah, absolutely, and the amount of time and effort that I was just not—I am regularly not willing to put into a lot of things. And this was the first big like this is a big project. 
nope, no, this is not for me. <laughs> I'm not a big project person. Something that we do need to uh, point out on this script is the fa- is your use of word art. Yeah, it is a beautiful, deep, deep purple. Uh, I don't know what happened to word art. I don't even know if it's still like an option in Word. It was hours of fun though, wasn't it? Like you'd spend so much time deliberating over the colour and whether or not it was going to curve or not. And then you'd suddenly be like, I have done none of this essay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, not seen it for ages. All the 3D effects and everything. Yeah. And all the 3D bits, the background could be a completely different colour and then you can highlight it as a... Di- oh, I loved it. I spent so much time on Word. On and clip art. Yeah. What happened to clip art? There's like only a very, very small amount. If you try and find it now, it's like there are four stock images and none of them are any help. It makes me sad. I was going to say, how are kids getting like these images now? They have Google. Yeah, they're far more intellectually like, on it than we I ever was. And definitely, <laughs> they don't realise that if you need a, if you want a picture of an elephant in your essay, if it, all the kids needed a picture of an elephant, they're all using the exact same photo of an elephant, or you're at least hoping that there was a photo of an elephant in clip art. And if there wasn't, you just have to kind of mix two together and hope it kind of looks similar. Or be like, oh, sorry, miss. There wasn't a hedgehog. Um, it's just a mouse, but I can draw spikes on it if you're really upset. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's exactly what you had to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't want to say kids these days. They but... do not know how lucky they are. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever share this script with anyone else? Did anyone else know about it? I don't think I did. Um Shit, I definitely don't think it's ever been printed off until last week. Um, I must have spoken to my parents about it and been like, I've got a really good idea, I want to do this. And they're probably like, okay, off you go. We'll see you in a week when you've given up. Um, I don't think I told anyone about it. I certainly don't remember reading any of it to anyone or telling any of my good friends. Because also, a lot of I never had a gang at school. That was a complete fabrication. Again, this was completely the books. They're, like my best friend would probably shrivel and die if she knew that this is what I was doing when I went home from school. Like, yeah. So I can't imagine I ever would have, even at that stage when I was like, it's going to be good. I know what I'm doing. I knew somewhere deep down that I should never have shared this with anyone. So, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't just like aspirations of what you wanted to like say career-wise achieve in that, but it was also like the girl groups and stuff like that yeah a little bit I, I again in similar thing with Hillary Duffing these books I absolutely loved them and all the relationships in them and they're so funny and so much fun and it, it I had a good group of friends at school but nothing that big like it wasn't a big part of my life because also outside of school I was dancing every night with again the same best friend so I never had the big big group of friends and I was never invited to parties and you know things like that and it wasn't any like a problem but I would write things into this there's one scene where there's a sleepover which I don't like I did sleepovers but I don't wouldn't have had the same people who would have just been like anyone free please please come to my house <laughs> yeah I, I suppose it is because a, a lot of um with tv books and things like that a lot of it kind of suggests towards a, a certain level of what is normal mm. and if you're not achieving that normalness then you don't quite feel like say like all, all when I was a kid, a lot of stuff was like, you know, you're sporty, you know, we're all playing football together and we're going to score a goal. It's all going to be cool. And I was like, I, I no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. No, but that makes you then feel like you're different. Yeah. And I didn't really, I wasn't like consciously thinking, Oh, I'm different. 
till a wee bit later maybe when I was like, oh, I don't get invited to parties for no other reason than they're probably like, oh, she's probably dancing, I don't care, she's busy. But there was definitely, I think that must have been the massive escapism in, in the Hillary Duff thing and the books thing. Um, and then I guess in this as well, as this is what I was, it was the relationships I was probably writing in that I'd like as well as the two weeks of, you know, immediate audition and fame, reality. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should uh, look at uh, a couple of other key scenes uh, in this play. I'm trying to think, like, okay, so we talk, like the first bit as well is just an argument around the kitchen table about how annoying the younger brother is. And again, I had no experience. My younger brother was fine. Like, I never had the younger brother irritation thing, really. Um, I've just found one scene that's just ridiculous. So the first Monday is this kitchen table scene the second day is tuesday it's just yeah brackets audition wednesday how did your audition go oh it went really well so did you get in i don't know that's it (laughs) (laughs) drama (laughs) yeah it's it's literally the most half-baked idea but at the time i would be like this makes so much sense yeah everyone knows i'm talking about it we all need this (laughs) And apparently on the first Saturday, my friends just turn up and carol sing on my doorstep for no no reason. Oh, so it turns out this is a, a play set at Christmas. It's not. It's not <laughs> no, a bit. <laughs> no, she's like, hey guys, you don't need to sing. Just come into my house. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cheesy as well. And there's, I was reading through it the other day. Um, and again, I have not read this for about 12 years. And, uh, and in it, there's so much non-drama drama. There's a bit where I'm talking to a friend and she's like, oh, I don't know why no one will go out with me. I'm like, because you complain all the time and you're getting yourself into a cycle where if you complain, no one will talk to you and no one talks to you because you complain. <laughs> oh my goodness, so knowledgeable. <laughs> Such a, yeah. I was a terrible teenager. <laughs> oh, it's, I think it's very easy to think that uh, you were terrible, uh, especially when you look at something like this, which makes you feel awful yeah there's a there's one bit the sleepover scene which was essentially was meant to culminate in a full-on dance routine so i could show off my singing and dancing ability as well so it was like the beginning of this is like oh let's play truth or dare and it's just really stupid stuff and i then somehow didn't bother to write the rest of the scene thankfully but it was fully gonna end up in a roxy Hart from chicago musical extravaganza probably with some kind of amazing i didn't think of the production stuff but i would imagine <laughs> in my mind i was like and then the bedroom will fall apart and i'll suddenly be on stage and there'll be lights and i'll be roxy from chicago again i was obsessed with chicago there were a lot of influences that really hit at the same time um and then it would be like oh she's amazing no wonder she got the audition yeah shameful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um if you can remember that bit uh, like which obviously isn't written down. Can you remember how you had planned this to end? It would have ended. It would have done a really like really emotional goodbye to my family when I went off on location to film this film that was going to make me famous. And then it probably would have just been like me on a bus traveling, having waved goodbye to my family. And then it would be like, oh, what happens now? See, I'm ready for a sequel as yeah. well. Like, I've really primed myself for a full-on... Yeah. I really should have written this. This would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. One day. The more realistic one. <laughs> no, maybe not. I'll just stay at home instead. <laughs> <laughs>
how did this manage to survive for 12 years? You've said that it was never printed off. Where has it been? It's been left on the family's computer in a file called Eliza, which is mainly emails from Australia to my mum being like, I don't understand what's happening. Australia is really warm. Please help. Um, no, I loved Australia. But then in there is this. And there's odd bits, like odd poetry as well. That I would have either written or found and just like, this is really important. I need to keep this forever. I've clearly never looked at it since. But I don't think I've saved anything to that computer for at least 10 years. So it's just hidden in the depths of this hard drive. <laughs> My parents had no idea it was there. So sorry, at the time that you wrote this, you were living in Australia? No. So no, the, the whole, this Eliza file is basically this, some random poetry, probably a load of stuff about animals, some pictures of dogs, and then the emails to my mother from when I, two years, or three years later, was in Australia. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't manage to save this from the other side of the world. It wasn't that important. <laughs> <laughs> Mum, you really need to keep out of this. This is going to be big. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So at the time, how did you feel about that script? I was probably quite proud of it. It's the first thing I'd written like this. Um, I'd never written a play or any kind of film stuff or any monologue kind of things. I would have only ever written poetry and stories before that. So I think for me, at the time, I was very impressed with my ability to plan or plot, essentially, um, a bigger project or a bigger thing. Um, and in my head, I had got those two weeks. I had like, what would happen on each day, which was quite exciting at the time, I think. But Somewhere along the line, I, th- I genuinely must have just been like, this is too much for me. I, d- I cannot get my head around this and stopped. Which is why there's there's no anywhere on the computer, there's no uh, 
there's no documentation of what would happen. There's no bullet point like this needs to happen in this day. This I just had it in my head and then wrote it scene by scene. You mentioned um, that you were, you did have other stuff on your computer, like poetry and things like that. So were you writing from quite a young age? Yeah, I would have done it. I think one of the first things I remember writing was in primary school, and it was, um, I would have done it in break time, because also at primary school, I loved English. I loved it. I used to spend my break time just doing English books. And one of the things I would have done is I remember being sat in a break time with all the letters of the alphabet and just writing a poem about animals. It's like A is for aardvark who does this that and the other i remember being really proud of that and i've got it somewhere still i have no idea where but i think i've got a printout in one of the many many boxes of just random bits of paper from my life i also got a handwriting prize at that primary school and i think combined i was like i like writing (laughs) so i would have written a lot of odd bits and pieces but as i say mainly it was stories or poems we're big on poetry at our primary school as well so i i remember a lot of poetry like Every morning we'd learn a poem. So things like this is the nightmare crossing the border, bringing the... That's 20 years of knowledge, that one. And it's still, most of the verses are in there. And it was such a big part of my childhood was poetry. It is not anymore. So I don't know where it just dropped somewhere along the line. So apart from um, stand-up, you don't do any other form of writing now? Um, I do a little bit. I uh, wrote a play a couple of years ago. But again, I did exactly the same thing and I was literally 10 years older. I did this two years ago when I was in Edinburgh. I wrote a play because I watched so much that I love the theatre. This is what all my knowledge and my my last few years of background has been in. Is And I wrote this play within a week because I watched so much theatre. It just fell out. like It just made so much sense. And then I left Edinburgh and um, I sent it to the Bristol Old Vic. And um, that process between having written the first draft and sending something to a theatre was too much, like, almost too much. Again, it was. It must have been a similar thing to what I was thinking at this point. It's like, I cannot get my head around drafts. And I'm like, I've, I've written a thing. I don't know what to do with it anymore. And I lost interest in it. Right. Yeah, I do. The, I work in phases a lot. And I think one of those is definitely, I've got an idea. I'll write the idea. And I do it with comedy as well. I've got some, so many ideas that I will go back to. And instead of being like, oh, there's an idea there. I'll kind of go, no, I don't, I don't trust anything i was saying i do not understand what i was thinking which is a shame <laughs> do, you, do you ever go back to it like with the play would you ever go back to mm. not this script i mean like the more recent one would you go back to it do you think i think i might do i like the style of the writing of it and i know the way that i write i've written a lot of beginnings of plays i've done a lot of playwriting workshops and it's immediately was obvious to me the way that i write dialogue and it's because I love modern plays as well. So I like the way that that's written. But the story itself isn't that exciting. So I've managed to create enough, I guess, dramatic tension in it for it to hold together as a piece. But there's nothing really that's... I think the response from the theatre was like, yeah, it's really, it's fine. We like the writing, but there's not really anything new said. Like, yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. So I, I don't know if I'd go back to it. I think I'd use what I'd learned from that process to put into another project and do you feel like you'd do that again yeah i love the idea of writing plays i have um on my current hard drive on my on my laptop now i have i looked at it there's like 150 plays that i've started and half of them are a scene some of them are you know most of the way through 
oh, yeah, there's two <laughs> random novels because like every year I'm like, oh, I'll do National Novel Writing Month. That's a really good idea. And I get to about the 10th of November and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so this is like four, four, 10,000 word complete rubbish that does not make any sense. But again, it's, I find it so difficult to go back and finish something that I've lost kind of that, that initial impetus to be like, oh, I need to write this. Yeah, so I, I exactly the same way that with this. Wow, yeah, that's like as if that's the first time that you did that. Yeah, but I suppose that the important thing is as if you're feeling like, say, out of those 150 plays, if number one is much worse than what number 150 is, do you know if you feel like every time that you've started one, the next one following it's been better? Yeah, uh, you can. Yeah, definitely. There, I guess that's you know everything. Just just write. Everyone says you've just got to keep writing because you'll you won't notice the change until you look back later on. Mm. And I definitely think that the first couple of things I would have written didn't work at all, and the writing's a bit bizarre, and it's too much, and it's too early. But then there's a couple of things that I wrote at the time that made sense, and they were the first. I remember writing the first scene for a play, and it was normally I'll write something because again I'm too scared to put too many characters in because I cannot get my head around everyone's story art. It's really <laughs> bad. I really need to train myself into just getting on with it. But there was one scene I'd written with about four or five characters and I really loved that scene and I had nowhere to take it. So the rest of that play is atrocious. It just does not make sense at all. Oh, because you've written yourself into like a hole. Yeah. I've basically written a really funny scene or like essentially if you put some jokes in it, it's a sketch. Right. But I then had some ideas to make it a bigger project and none of it makes any sense anymore so i think having written loads of stuff i can see where it's one idea would tail off from something that i would then write later like six months down the line there's definitely an idea from some odd thing i would have done and the writing style is changing but so yeah it's good to have written stuff and learn as you go yeah that's definitely something with comedy as well as chatting to everyone is you know everyone um i know so I just write a bit and then you take something and you won't finish with that. It will be a part that you'll then use to... Mm. Yeah, there's no secret to how to get better with pretty much any skill or mm. any any artistic endeavour. It is do it more and you should get better at it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you do it loads and you still don't get better at it, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, after you've done those 10,000 hours of practice and you're still not a concert pianist, try the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for you. Yeah. Did you ever try writing anything with anyone else? Or was it always solo? I have... No, I've never tried writing with anyone else. This is what's really new with the the comedy thing I, this is what i really love about it is that it is a much more communicative thing to do obviously in the initial like talking to an audience but in the process of writing things as well you bounce ideas off people in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do if you're writing a play on your own it's like being in a rehearsal room um if you're you know devising theater and things like that is a far more interesting way of doing it so i never have sat down and consciously written something with another person although having said that i've just remembered i did <laughs> i did a play with a friend of mine um they did it for the royal shakespeare company like they did an open stage they do open stages and my friend uh we had a very small theater company that did two productions and she was like right we're gonna rewrite macbeth and i was like 
okay, that's fine. She's like, you know Macbeth? I was like, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Oh, absolutely. She's like, I will write up what happens in the scenes. You just need to modernise it. I was like, okay, I've never, I have no idea what this play is. And we did this completely different kind of take on it as, as Macbeth as a politician, as a female politician, and the trees being the newspapers. It sounds cleverer than it was, <laughs> and it doesn't sound that clever. But I fully was along for the ride. I had no idea what I was doing. But we never sat down and wrote it. She basically said, we should do this. We'll just do an interview thing. Um, we'll sit down in front of a camera and interview each other as if we were the character. We basically were the same character, but um, one of them was the professional front. So she was all calm and collected. And the other one was the, the mindset and the thought process behind that harsh exterior. And so we'd sit down and do these interviews and we basically, with absolutely no idea what we're doing, and I definitely would have asked the wrong questions because I have never, I've only ever read that play since and I only saw that play about four years later. Other than that, I had no idea what it was about. So we did that, but when it got to the writing part, she was like, right, we now have the ideas for the characters. Just write an interview with this woman with this kind of basic idea of what the play is about. I don't even know if it made sense. That, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to go home and find that. I think that is somewhere on the hard drive that I've got at the moment. I'm going to have to find it and see if it made any sense. But we went to London with it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we did it in... The, in uh, we did it, first of all, in the Blackboard Studio, because I was in Oxford at the time. And this was still when I was living there. And we did it in the little university studio. And we were like, oh, someone was meant to come out and watch it. And they would decide whether or not it was good enough to go to the RST. It's a bit like the National... These connections, they do it every year as well. But no one turned up to ours. So that was literally the two of us and my friend who was reading the interview questions. So it was the two of us on stage and someone reading the questions to us. And I think one friend turned up. And we did it anyway, because we're like, we should probably just film it and get it done and out of the way. Um, and we were, ta- we were then invited to go to the Questus Theatre in London and do it, which was the weirdest experience. Because I... I remember walking in and be like, I know how theatres work. I work in a theatre. I know how to say LX and I know what that means. <laughs> and then I got there, I was like, so what's the, what's the, um, oh, I was like, so what's, what's your rigging like? What have you got? And they were like, we'll just give you some lights. I was like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> no idea. Absolutely no idea. But sorry. Yeah. So back to the writing. That's the only thing I would have written with someone. But even then it wasn't, we never sat down and wrote it together. She gave me pointers. I wrote it. We both chatted about it later. So you performed your very own version of Macbeth, mm. despite the facts at that point had never read or seen Macbeth. I'm a terrible human. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> I was very well coached by this friend of mine. She absolutely adores Shakespeare and she knew exactly what she was talking about. So I fully sat on the coattails and uh, yeah, somehow... We weren't thrown out the theatre. It was okay. <laughs> so, so that is that is something that you actually wrote and finished. Yes. Yeah. Probably and, because and... she was there to make me do it. Yeah, I need to start writing with people, don't I? <laughs> so, how do you feel now about two weeks in the life of me? I'm weirdly proud of it. I think only because this would have been the first time that I took any initiative to write anything like that and looking at how like what I've done in those 10 years it's not a lot granted but this makes so much sense to me now that it would feed into a lot of what I've chosen to do with my life and that I'm now writing a lot more 
hopefully writing a lot better, but still not finishing anything as well. So it's I, it's wildly embarrassing to read. And actually, I um, I might have to show this to someone just so everyone knows exactly how much I've progressed. So even if I'm not great, I'm better than I was. <laughs> so yeah, validation of what I do now is almost what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> how do you feel about sharing it with me? It was, uh, do you know what, I f- when I first read it, I was like, I cannot do this. And when you first said, do you have anything? It was immediately, the, like, number one thing I could think of was this. But I hadn't, as I say, I hadn't looked at it for 10 years. I had no idea how long it was. What it, This could have been a 50-page document of rubbish for all I knew at that time. And I was like, I've got a thing. It, but it's nice to have done it. It's interesting to have, to almost to embrace what I've done, which I never would think to do. It's just like, oh, I did a thing and it was rubbish. Um, and I'm like, oh, I did a thing. That's enough for now. <laughs> That's enough for 15. I definitely had other stuff going on. It certainly wasn't anything that was happening in this play. <laughs> but, you know, I had other stuff. My final question is, um, if you could right now speak to 15-year-old self, that's, you, you're sat at a laptop or home computer typing this out, what would you say to yourself? You really need to learn to finish a project because this is going to be a nightmare for the rest of your life. <laughs> learn now. <laughs> Eliza, thank you so much um, for coming on to the podcast. Uh, it's been really fun. If people would like to find out more about you, how can they do so? Uh, I'm on Twitter, which is at Miniliza. I'll spell it because it's weird. Uh, it's M-I-N-I-L-Y-Z-E-R. Um, but also I am part of Bubble Comedy and we've just um, got our Twitter for that, which is Bubble Comedy BRI or Instagram, which is Bubble Comedy Bristol. And we do you know, brilliant comedy once a month. So that's where to find me, really. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Eliza. This has been I'd Sooner Forget This. I've been Daryl Smith. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the podcast, then please do give it a review on iTunes and uh, let your friends know about the podcast. Make sure you've subscribed and stick around for next week's episode with another fantastic guest. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.